Good morning, and uh, if you will take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 through 21 together uh, this morning as we continue our series that reminds us that we need to keep walking. We need to keep walking in power, and we need to, today we're going to look at the fact that we need to walk in prayer. And, and it's part of our spiritual journey as believers, as followers of Christ, that we need to be bathed in prayer we need to constantly be reminded of our dependence upon God and so we're actually going to be looking at the apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 and let's take a moment and just read it together this morning beginning in verse 14 Paul says for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a powerful prayer, and it's actually one of two prayers that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians, one in chapter 1, and then this one here in chapter 3. And in this prayer, Paul makes two major requests for the church. First, he prays that God might strengthen us by His Spirit in our inner being. That's verse 16. And we don't really take a lot of time to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Baptist church but let's be honest about something this morning. There is nothing that we can do apart from God's working in and through us with the Holy Spirit. We need to talk about it more. We need to think about it more. We need to meditate upon it more. We certainly need to study this more. But the power of the Holy Spirit as we try to live this Christian life is a necessity or we're not going to accomplish anything. And if we don't tap into that power through the power of prayer, then we're going to miss out on it. We cannot do this in our own strength. But the second thing that Paul prays for is that God would help us to understand how much God loves us. Chapter 3 here, verses 18 and 19. He's not just praying that we might know about God's love. He's praying that we would know God's love, what it's like to experience God's love in our life, to see a father's love for his children in such a way that it would overwhelm us to know not only how much he loves us, but how much he wants to do for us. Sometimes we don't really grasp how much God loves us. We don't really grasp how much he wants to give to us, and he wants to give through us. Uh, back a uh, weekend or so ago, we took our kids to Sky Zone because ultimately they had an extra day uh, out of school that particular weekend. And so one day we just we went and spent a couple hours at Sky Zone uh, so they could jump around, and they had a blast. And they got to jump all over the place and I got to sit in that really nice shiatsu uh, chair massager and watch them have fun. And I had fun, and they had fun, and it was just amazing for everyone. And then when it was all over, Bella, our youngest, came up to me, and she asked me for a quarter. She said, Daddy, can I have a quarter? And so I looked in my pocket and pulled out my wallet. I don't have a quarter. And so I said, well, I really don't have a quarter. I, I got a dollar, and she didn't want a dollar. And, and she actually got kind of ticked off at me that I would even suggest that here's a dollar instead of a quarter. No, I gotta have I gotta have a quarter. And I'm like, why, why would you need a quarter instead of a dollar? A dollar's four times 
what a quarter is. I don't need a dollar. A dollar doesn't help me. Keep your dollar. I need a quarter. I'm like, well, you can take this dollar up to the counter over here, and they'll give you four quarters for it, and you'll have four times what you asked for. But that's not what I'm asking you for. I'm asking you for a quarter. Well, as it turned out, what she really wanted to do was she wanted to take that quarter and go out into the lobby area where there was a little machine where the claw comes down and picks up the toys that are in there, and she wanted to use that quarter to play that game and win that toy that you cannot win with the claw. It's just impossible, but she thinks she can, even though she's failed 900 times before. And ultimately, we walked over there to that machine, and here's the thing. It didn't cost a quarter. It cost $5. And then she was really mad at me because she's like, well, you won't even give me a quarter. There's no way you're going to give me $5. And I'm thinking, I just tried to give you a dollar. And what she didn't know was in my wallet, I didn't even have $5. But I did have a $20 bill, which I would have given to her and her siblings if she'd asked for it. But instead, she just kind of stormed out the door mad at me because she was frustrated because I didn't do what she thought I ought to do, which was initially just give her a quarter. You know, a lot of times I think that's the way we interact with God. We've already got our minds made up as to what we want him to do. And so our prayers are really about, hey, God, we need you to do this. And if you don't do this, then you're not really doing what we need for you to do. And we have no understanding of how much he loves us and how much he wants to bless us and the things that he wants to do in and through us. No matter how many times we show our kids how much we love them, sometimes they just don't comprehend what you would do for your children, what you would do for your grandchildren. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, how much more does our Father in Heaven want to give good gifts to those of us that are His children? We cannot comprehend His love for us. You, you want to know what's truly amazing? It's amazing that the more we know God's love, the more we're overwhelmed by it. We begin to realize that He loves us, and, and when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He infinitely, do you understand that word? Infinitely wants to bless us with an unending love and an unending relationship and unending blessings in our life and through our life. This love that surpasses knowledge that Paul talks about here in verse 19. As God strengthens us with His Spirit, He helps us to know and understand His love. He fills us with all fullness. Again in verse 19. It means He's changing us to make us more like Jesus. This is how God gets glory in our life and in the church where we serve. So, so how do we, as children of God, tap into that type of resource? Actually, Jesus told us, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, you don't have because you don't ask. So how do we start? Pray for the church to be strengthened in power. Beyond our comprehension, as we're going to see here in just a moment. Verse 14, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We're going to see a very Trinitarian prayer that, that Paul is praying. God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. We're going to see them all very actively involved in this prayer that Paul is praying for the church, that the church would be strengthened by God. We find strength in our position before the Father. God helps us to understand our role. We're not just servants. We're not just slaves. We're not just robots. We're, we're not just supposed to constantly obey without a relationship. We are children 
of God. That's why he is referred to in this prayer and throughout Scripture as our Father, which means we can stand before him with confident access. My kids don't have to wonder whether or not they can come and talk to me. They don't have to wonder if daddy's going to be okay with them showing up and making requests. It doesn't mean I'm going to say yes to everything that they want, but sometimes they don't even ask big enough for what I want to give to them. They they don't even do the things sometimes that I'm encouraging them to do because I know we've got the resources to do it. We're going to support them to do it. We're going to give them everything they need in order to accomplish this. And sometimes they give up too quickly because they've forgotten that they have confident access to mommy and daddy. Listen, folks, we have confident access to the Father. And our response to that confident access ought not to be arrogance. It shouldn't be cockiness. Our response to that confident access to the throne of our Father ought to be a humble attitude where we come before Him and we bow our heads before Him and we are reminded over and over and over again that He is great. And the only thing that is significant about us is that He has chosen us to be His children. And because of that, we have immense, eternal significance on this earth and for all eternity when it comes to His glory and His mission. Ultimately, God is calling us to remember the confidence that we have in Him because He is great. So we find strength in our position as children to the Father, but also we find strength in the power of the Spirit. Verse 16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. Our our strength is found in the power of the Spirit, not our own power. That's good news because there are plenty of times in our life where we feel inadequate. But it is the power of God that helps us to be able to overcome any of the obstacles and to accomplish what He's called us to accomplish. Did you ever watch the Flintstones? You ever watch how Fred Flintstone or Barney Rubble or whoever in those, those cartoons used to drive their cars? Where did the power come from? The power came from them basically just running. They were essentially pushing their cars along the road. So there was a hole in the floor and their feet were just running and that was what propelled them to go and maybe occasionally they'd hit a hill and they'd be able to pull their feet up and they'd just coast down the hill. But for the most part, all of the power for those automobiles to run were really uh, in the person that was making the move. But here's the thing, in our day and age, in the modern world, when we're watching that cartoon, it doesn't make sense to us. Because under the hood of our car, in, in a hidden place, there's an engine that dwells there. Even when the car is stopped, even when it's not moving, even when it's just sitting on a, on a car lot, at a new, new car lot, and it's a brand new car, underneath the hood is an invisible power source. You don't see it. You see how sleek the lines are. You see the nice rims. You see the tinted windows. You see how sporty or classy that particular car looks or that SUV or how powerful that truck looks. But what, what is really going to power that automobile? It's the engine that's underneath the hood of that that you can't even see from the outside. Now, what is the engine designed to do? It's designed to take that car somewhere, anywhere. Now, only a fool would bother to push a perfectly brand new automobile up a hill. Why would you do that? There's no point in pushing something 
that has the power to carry you up the hill so that you don't have to exert yourself to do something that you probably will never be able to do in the first place. Why would a person put forth the effort to push something that has the power to deliver him or her with ease? We understand this concept when it comes to cars. We don't push our cars. We ride in our cars. But we don't always understand that concept when it comes to our life in the Spirit. We are constantly trying to push our lives instead of saying to God, here's my life. Carry me where you'd like for me to go. I'll just sit there as a passenger while you drive and you provide the power source and you let me know when it's time to get out and what it's time to do. You reveal to me where you're taking me and why you're taking me there. All the power is in the Spirit. All the direction is from the Father. You are simply a passenger that God is carrying to accomplish His will in your life. When the Spirit of God indwells the believer, that believer needs to have his mind set on Christ. He has the power to go wherever God wants him to go and do whatever God wants him to do. We know that we find strength in our position before the Father and in the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. But we also find strength in the love of the Savior. And this is really where he's been trying to get. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now how good would a relationship be if the relationship that we had was just simply one where I told you what to do all the time. And whenever you got done with what I told you to do, you just came back and I gave you more instructions and you just went and did. See, a lot of people view our relationship with God that way. Not that he's our father that loves us, that wants to spend time with us, that, that he wants us to cry out to him in prayer and cast all our cares upon him and, and, and worship him and praise him and have a relationship with him. No, no, many people view the relationship with God as though he's a taskmaster. And ultimately, when we have accomplished the task, we just come back to him and he gives us another task. That's what he does. He just hands out commands for us to follow. When in reality, what he really wants to hand out to us is grace and love. That we would be filled with an overwhelming sense of his love for us. And Paul is praying that the individual Christian and that the church as a whole would be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints, the church, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, to understand what God has done for you and how much he loves you to an overwhelming sense where your only proper response is to say, I, I could never repay you for what you've done for me. I could never give back enough of myself or my resources or my time to pay you back for how much you have lavished your love upon us. Yeah, we pray for blessings, but, but sometimes we need to take a step back and we need to understand that the greatest blessing that God ever gave us was himself. And if he never gives us anything else, we don't need anything else. Because for all eternity, we have a relationship with the Father because of the Savior that is continuously reminded us through the Spirit. 
it is very, very, very obvious that God loves us, that God saves us through His Son, and that God empowers us through His Spirit. We are called to comprehend the vast extent of that love and to be filled with the fullness of God so that you actually can take what you believe about God and about salvation and about the gospel and you can live it in a life filled with the power of God. And when that happens, we're praying for the church to be strengthened in the power of God through the Spirit. Then when we begin to see what God is doing in our life and the lives of others, we can praise God for demonstrating His power in the church. Now, Brian Chapel puts it this way. Paul says, God's love for His people is as long as eternity passed, and so wide as to include all nations, and so high as to ring praises from angels in heaven, and so deep as to cancel the claims of hell on our souls. Listen, that is something to praise God about. To see what God is doing in the life of the church. To remember what God has done in our life and what He wants to do through our life and how He's changing the lives of other people. And He's answering our prayers. And He's using us for ministry and missions. And He's pouring out His blessings upon us. And we're able to take whatever we have, no matter whether the world sees it as small or the world sees it as great, we're able to take whatever we have and to use it for God's glory and just to say, God, praise you from whom all blessings flow. Here, here's, look at this verse. One of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And it reminds us that God is able to do more than we can ask or think. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. There's, there's several things going on in that passage of Scripture, in that verse right there, but I want you to notice just three words real quick. First of all, who is able? God is able. God is able to do more abundantly. Whatever we're about to say next, God is able to do more than that. Far beyond our finite minds, God is able. You're not able. I'm not able. We're not able. But God is able. So whatever it is we're about to ask him for, make sure it's worthy of asking the God who is able to do all things. And make sure it falls in line with his will and not just some agenda that you have. Hey God, I really would like an ice cream right now, even though I don't have one, but this would be a really good time for it. And if you can't do it, then I'm just not going to believe in you. You know there are people out there that pray those kinds of prayers. They're constantly testing God in areas where really, honestly, we ought to just be in awe of him. But God is able. That word able reminds us that there is nothing beyond his ability. And then notice the second part here. He's able to do more abundantly than we can ask or think. Uh, you know, I want you to focus on the word think there for a minute. You can ask for a lot of things. Here's the reality of this verse. God is able to do the things you don't even take the time to think of. Now maybe you just don't think about it. Or maybe you think, hmm. I'm not going to waste my time with that because I know he won't do it. That's really big. I, I'm not sure that that's something that we even want to take the time to ask God for. So I'm going to ask him for something smaller. Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask. And right here, Paul reminds us there's some things you, you're not even willing to think about that God is able 
to accomplish. The last part there, according to the power that's within us. Hold on. Is it us or is it God? Well, the answer is God. But remember, earlier he talked about the Spirit indwelling us. It is the power of God that lives within us that is able to accomplish more than we could even think about. Let that sink in for a minute. We don't have because we don't ask. Because most of the time, we're not even thinking big enough. Sometimes we don't ask because we don't ever consider that God might want to do something greater than the status quo. Do you really think that there's something out there that God has called you to do for His glory that He won't provide all the resources for to accomplish? I mean, I want you to think about it collectively as a church here for just a moment. A few years ago, we felt like God was leading us to partner with and to participate in revitalizing and replanting a church in Dunellan. And some of you are here today, and, and you're watching this, and you remember you were a part of this. And you know that the Spirit of God led two congregations, two totally different sides of town, two different communities with the same mindset that, that ultimately God was calling us to plant ourselves in that community and to share the gospel with an area that needs to hear about it, with schools around them and with homes all around them and and to help them to understand that Jesus loves them the same way that he loves us and to share the love of Christ with them and to share the gospel of Christ with them and then after several months it became abundantly clear that finding a campus pastor for this particular campus was infinitely more difficult than we thought that it was going to be we felt like there was a certain box that that person needed to be in and that we were trying to accomplish and we weren't allowing God to kind of show us some of the things that needed to happen he'd led us to this ministry but we were trying to do it our way and then ultimately God began to strip away all of the uh, biases that we had about that and to reveal to us what he really wanted to do in that area and then all of a sudden this little small thing happened called a global pandemic and everywhere churches all over the place were not able to meet in person anymore that was here that was true for our Ocala campus that was true for our Dunellan campus but what was damaging to our Ocala campus was devastating to our Dunellan campus is it, there weren't tons of people that were flocking there anyway and, and it, it was harmful but you know what never changed what never changed was God's plan to reach this community in Dunellan what never changed was God's plan to love them and to bless them with the gospel and with all the spiritual blessings of His Spirit there. So you fast forward to today, and we actually have two candidates for campus pastor, one Spanish and one in English, that we feel like God is opening some doors and making it possible for these things to happen. And yet, even with support from the North American Mission Board, and even with support from Florida Baptist Convention, and even with some support from other entities, we still are left with the fact that coming out of a pandemic, when giving has not been the same as it has been pre-pandemic, we're still left with this whole issue of how do we fund these families, not, not just a pastor, but these families that are going to be moving here and planting their lives there with children and, and helping to support them, not only with salary, but also with some benefits and helping them to be able to navigate through that how do we do that? Because ultimately, we can't just add it to the budget. 
But here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God's bigger than all that. And so my prayer is, God, we know this is what you want us to do. We know this is the direction you're calling us to. We know that this is something that you have placed on our hearts and you've not changed your mind. And because of that, we know that funding is no issue for you. So yeah, we, we look at the books and we know we need $100,000 to help make sure that both of these families are funded for two, three years. Until the church, until the campus can become self-sufficient. We know that that is an issue and we know that it is no problem for God. So we say, God, you've led us here. You've called us to this. And we know that you will not call us to do something for your glory, that you will not equip us and, re and give us the resources to accomplish it. And by the way, some of those resources he's placed in us according to the power that is within you. And God has blessed us in order to make sure that his will is accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. And you know why? Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God's able to do more abundantly than we could ever ask or even think according to the power that's within us for this purpose. God enables us to bring him glory. We can't even bring him glory apart from him equipping and enabling and empowering us to do so. And when he does that, he leads us to praise him eternally. Your life is about the glory of God. Now you get to be a part of that because you're a child of God. And he wants to use you as his ambassador, as his messenger, to share the love of Christ, to, to share the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to the ends of your cul-de-sac, to the ends of your hall, across the aisle. But sometimes our view of God is so small that we don't allow our capacity for His power to really see its full potential. Imagine you're standing on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. You're staring out into that vast body of water all the way out into the horizon. And you are struck with wonder about how great it is and how much you would like to study everything about this. I want to know what's in this water. I want to know all the beauty and the majesty of God's creation. And, and then all of a sudden, you're reminded. You reach into your pocket and you pull out a thimble. And you think, okay. And you reach down into the water and you... Fill that thimble up with water from the Atlantic Ocean. And then you walk back to your house. And in your house, you've got a microscope. You've got some other tools that are there. And you begin to look at that water that's in that thimble. What, what would you see? There are probably some microorganisms that are in there. You might even see some different types of sediment that are there. But then you think, this, this is really just not enough. And you look over and you see a bucket that's sitting there. And it's just a small bucket. It's probably a, maybe about a gallon and you take that bucket and you go back down to the same shoreline. And you take that bucket and you fill it up with the water uh, of the ocean. You take it back to your house. And you begin to look through it. And, you know, in there you still see the microorganisms and the sediment still there, the sand. But you also see a few seashells that you couldn't fit in the thimble earlier. But there they are, some beautiful seashells. And you notice a few little small fish, little minnows that are kind of swimming around there. And, wow, that was pretty incredible. You didn't know that that was going to be in there. And, then you think, you know what, I've got something bigger. And you go pick this 40-gallon 
cooler that's in your garage. You take it down to the seashore again, and you take that, and you got a friend with you, and y'all take that uh, that 40-gallon cooler, and you fill it up. You just scoop up a bunch of stuff, and you take it back to your house. You begin to look at it, and now you, you see probably some different things. There's some seaweed that's in there. It wouldn't really fit in the bucket earlier, and there are some different, there's like an oyster that's there. Maybe there's a jellyfish, some other types of fish that have, that were swimming there when you scooped it up that you were able to capture, and they're bigger and better things. But here's the reality. It doesn't matter how big the container is. You cannot contain the Atlantic Ocean. There's no way you can truly study or understand its vastness by constantly trying to put it in a box. At some point, you're going to have to say, I must surrender to the Atlantic Ocean if I'm ever going to truly see what's out there. Now maybe that means you take out a boat and you go way out there and then at some point you reach a place where it's deep enough for you to actually dive in to the Atlantic Ocean and to open your eyes and to begin to see everything that is out there in that huge body of water. If you truly want to explore it, you're going to have to surrender to it. Here's the, here's the issue, church. We've got to stop trying to contain God. We've got to stop trying to put Him in our little box. There is no way that we could ever possibly think about or think through the things that He is capable of doing. Our only proper response to Him is not to say, God, how much of you can I fit into me? The only proper response is to say, here's all of me, you do what you want to do with it. He is so much bigger than us. And He is so much more uh, wise than us. And He has so much more purpose for our lives than we could ever comprehend we've got to stop trying to tell him what to do with us and just start saying here we are send us when we are grounded in the confidence of God's love through Jesus Christ we are empowered by the spirit to bring glory to the father forever and ever because the power that we're praying for God puts into us and here's what we ought to do as a church as individuals at this time we ought to just stop stop thinking about what God can do for us and start thinking about what God has done for us and start praising him for his love and grace and mercy and we need to pray that God would strengthen us by his spirit to fully understand how much He loves us and to begin to see how we might live our lives to bring Him glory. Now, everything Paul's going to talk about after this is dependent upon you getting this right. We cannot walk in all the things we're going to talk about if we don't have the power from God through praying to God that His will would be done in our life. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Him, that's step number one. If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Him, but you have never taken the time to say to God, I want to be uh, filled with your power, and I want not my will, but yours to be done in my life. Maybe today is a day of commitment. Maybe today is a moment in your life where you surrender to Him. Don't leave here wondering what it would be like to be filled with the Spirit of God and overwhelmed by the love of God and used for the glory of God. Don't wonder what that would be like. 
Let today be a day where you dive in to the vastness of the creator of the universe who loves you and who wants to be your father. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray? Father, there are people from all walks of life that are here and that are watching. And God, we too many times put you in a box and try to make you fit with what we can understand and what we can accomplish. But God, we pray that we would stop trying to push the car up the hill, but that we would recognize that the spirit that you have blessed us with gives us all the power to overcome the things of this world, to accomplish the things that you've called us to. Lord, we pray that we would begin to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and just leave it up to you to add everything else. God, you do what you see fit. Lord, we pray that we would surrender and dive into the vastness of your majesty and your glory for your honor and glory for eternity. God, we pray that you'd help us to seek after your will. Help us to pray powerful prayers and ask for great things because we know you are a great God and there is nothing you cannot accomplish. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you will do. Father, you are awesome. And our hope and faith and trust is in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.